Hey y'all, you are listening to the Palsies with Palsies podcast. I am the Palsy Rebecca Mitz. And I'm the Palsy Justin Hancock. And Rebecca, it's episode three, I suppose part two of our spooky uh, month series. How are you today? Uh, good. I watched Halloween last night for the first time. 2018? No, the original one from, uh, with... Oh, 1978. With, yeah, when, uh, <laughs> being like, oh my god, when it said introducing J.B. Lee Curtis, and being like, <gasps> she's so young! <clears throat> that movie's actually good. <laughs> yes. I mean, it it's obviously one of the beginnings of the slasher thing, so there's a lot of kind of slashery tropes in mm-hmm. there but overall pretty good i yeah i liked how it ended have you seen it have you actually seen it no yeah you <laughs> there's there's some bits that you might uh jump at a little bit <laughs> yeah and i i told you in off-air discussions i I did read the novelization of the 2018. Oh, yeah. Reboot. Reboot. Reboot is what (laughs) I think they called it. Um, And it was was enjoyable. It kind of scratched that itch without making me have to endure the music cues and, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you, you you found it to hold up well and be enjoyable. I enjoyed it. The beginning bit is kind of a lot of Michael like standing behind a bush and Lori being like, huh? And then him disappearing. And then he's standing under a clothesline <laughs> and Lori going, huh? And then he disappearing. And then he's standing in a, you know, in the car, sitting in the car, huh? And then he disappears. You're kind of like, okay, I get it. Okay. He's watching her. She kind of like, there was a lot of, okay. So, but it was enjoyable. It had the, you know, all the people that had sex died. (laughs) Sex is bad. The virginal Lori's, you know, the way out, you know, she's going to find her way out. She's, yeah, yeah. I kind of liked it, and this is kind of going to go into some of the Magnus archives that we're about to talk about today, but I, I liked in this one, they don't really explain Michael at all, right? Like, they don't, they don't explain why the fuck he keeps getting up <laughs> after being beat to shit multiple times. Like, getting yeah. stabbed, shot, pushed out a window, like, they don't explain it. And it's kind of, except you have the Dr. Loomis character, which is like, he's evil! Ah! And everything. And that makes him scarier, in my opinion. I think other people might argue that maybe the ambiguity is a plot hole, but Mm -hmm. I, I find it creepier. I find it creepier when things are not explained to me. Well, that that kind of does lead into what we're going to talk about. But I will say, just to kind of close the book on the Halloween discussion and in a humorous way. So the conceit of 2018 is that he is human mm. and a 
serial killer and they erased the other sequels and this is him in prison and he escapes and mayhem ensues. I mean, I don't think I'm spoiling anything. It's Michael Myers. Figure it out, people. This is um, a series that's been around for a long fucking time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to, to your point, there is not as much sitting around as there is in the first I so I hear the first movie, the 1978 version, but he still does a fair amount. And even reading reading the book, I was like, he's right there. <laughs> he's human. Just get him. He's, he's just standing there. Somebody hit him with a shovel. I mean, yeah. So yeah, I, I kind of had the same. He does a lot of menacingly, menacingly standing around. That's an interesting character choice. Just breathing very heavily. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So it's, I, I'm glad to at least know that that's a consistent, like, yes. like personal choice for Michael. It's, I thought reading the book, maybe he's older. He's he doesn't want to get as winded, you know. <laughs> In that mask, it's really hot. It's just yeah. <sighs> There's a lot of human sweat and <laughs> blood, and that's it's why, just <laughs> yeah. That's why he's breathing so heavy. It's hot in there. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> the <laughs> the. <laughs> That's funny. Just totally like de like demystifying Michael Myers is also very funny. <laughs> He's just yeah. some dude. That's also funny. Those are the two things I want. In a funny way, I like him being demystified. In a creepy way, I like him not me not knowing shit about him. So what we're actually talking about today is the Magnus Archives, which is a horror anthology podcast that I listened to pretty shortly after it started coming out and I've listened to all of it and uh, which is quite a few episodes, but each episode is anywhere between like 10 to 30 minutes, roughly. They probably get longer later on, but yeah, in the beginning they're, as you said, bite-sized, you said, call it the bite-sized. Um, mm-hmm. So Justin listen to them and i i thought okay i can get justin to listen to three of these like you know then yeah then i got a text this morning from justin that's like hey i actually kind of like this um <laughs> i'm gonna listen to like five episodes and i was like oh yay you can listen to my creepy podcast <laughs> <laughs> but though so, uh you said that maybe the last one you listened to was a mistake <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was, and um, as Rebecca said, it's an anthology series, so the conceit is that this uh, gentleman, this researcher, works for an organization or an institute, the Magnus Institute, that keeps archives, which in the beginning of the show are first-hand accounts of um paranormal and you know 
unexplained experiences. And it's basically the researcher recounting and filing the, the story. So you hear him reading the accounts of the, the paranormal experiences. And I, I think what I like about it so much is one, it is bite-sized. Two, it does, like, the stories are different. Because I like, I like things like Hannibal and SVU and crime and suspense mm. stories, particularly when they do the monster of the week sort of thing. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you have a different, a different antagonist. So I really got into discovering, okay, what's this story going to be? And what's, what's the turn going to be here? And, um, and probably what appeals to me most because I'm old. Um, and I, I mean, I, I'm in my 40s now, which is, I suppose, officially middle-aged. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I'm an older soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love my parents used to when we go on long car trips. And if we got tired of movies, they used to go into like either bookshops or, you know, if, if there was a cracker, cracker barrel general store. Yeah. We we go in there and there would always be these like radio melodramas from yeah. the nineteen thirties and forties when radio was I mean, it sounds funny, but radio was TV. That was your right. main source of and this feels very much like those radio melodrama with the music cues and the, mm-hmm. the slight use of sound effects, but not overpowering, but it just the different stories every every week. I just really like um, what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I like the shade that uh, the uh, main uh, narrator slash researcher throws at his colleagues from time to time. I also find that very charming in a Sherlock Holmes sort of of course I'm smarter than you you don't. (laughs) Yeah. That's a, it's such an interesting so the further along you go in this horror anthology there is a bigger plot that eventually kind of takes over the anthology part but they they do keep returning to it. Mm-hmm. Like when the plot gets bigger, often it's still like they're encountering something that week that they have to kind of deal with. And now it becomes less them reading accounts and then they start encountering it. Does that make sense? Like, it's like, oh, yeah. well, now we're dealing with it. Um, other characters yeah. get introduced I, right at the beginning. It's just Jonathan Sims reading and kind of him being like, Ugh, Martin, and he's, you know, they did all this stuff for me and they're all kind of stupid, but I guess they have to do a job. Um, but when you get introduced to these characters that he's, <laughs> that he talks about it, they're, they're all kind of charming. They're all charming in their own ways. And it's, 
it's fascinating to hear them all kind of um, mm-hmm. and how each of them interact with it. And at least at the beginning, Jonathan, uh, the narrator, hugely skeptical of all of these stories. He's just kind of like, oh, this guy was just drunk. Though it is weird that there were missing posters around the same time. Anyway, (laughs) it's always like, well, I don't believe this, but it is weird that this weird coincidental thing is also happening at the same time of this weird story. Anyway, bye. Like, um, So so we've listened, well, I've I've encountered the first six stories, um, which I think you can pull up You may already have them pulled up. Um, And because I kind of led the charge with our discussions of it, um, I'm going to kind of let you do the same. So do you have any questions for me or anything you want to know about me encountering this? Yes. So I will want to touch first what you said about it being like a radio drama. I think ultimately that's the appeal of this show Mm -hmm. um because and i and i think i said this in a previous one i don't think this would work as well on visually i don't think it would work as well visually um and i don't know if it would work as well written down i think it could I th- i'm not saying it would be bad because obviously we have other horror anthology shows like the new American horror show thing, Black Mirror, Creep Show, all that, like, mm-hmm. you know. And there's obviously been weird books um, about horror anthologies and stuff. But there's something about the, as you said, the kind of soundscape, the music cues, the deliverance of, you know, how they're talking and stuff. Um, that really hit that spot of when you're sitting there listening and you're like, (gasps) because you've kind of, and that's the beauty of it is you kind of go into it. You kind of are there Mm -hmm. in that space with the researcher as he's telling the story and you're like, Oh God, as the music's getting kind of that low kind of creepy. Yeah. Okay. So you've come across six of them. Which one of the stories, because each story is very different, I would say. Each one kind of hits a different um, fear, I think. Mm -hmm. I think each Mm -hmm. one is tapping into trying to figure out. It's like a doctor coming in with like a little little hammer, trying to figure out where the scare is for you. What's going to scare you? Um, Which one was the scariest for you? Like, which one got you like, like scared you the most. Um, and I know who your feelings about the last one, but <laughs> is, was that the one that actually scared you? Well, it's funny. I, there have been ones that are, that have been the best word I can use and we use it kind of as a, a soft joke to frame this series. But the best word I can use to describe this series so far for me is just spooky. Like, mm. not scary per se. If I had one that came close to scaring me the most, it would be the last one mm. because I have a deep fear of snakes. 
I am okay with bugs as long as they are not near me. And that's funny, but I mean, I've had some encounters the last week because frankly, we're waiting on the exterminator to come on Monday. Uh-huh. So it's kind of, it's into the end of the treatment cycle and we're we're on pace to need another one and I've moved some things around lately and a, a roach has been where I my hand is and I was like nope <laughs> and the, name... the other no- <laughs> Can you tell me the name of that last episode also? <laughs> uh squirm yeah, so that kind of, uh, that lets when, you know kind of what you're in for. Which is just perfect when you hear what, uh, when you hear what the conceit of it is. But, so that's the one that has come close to frightening me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love how each of them have hit different notes for me. Mm. Like the first one uh, where the guy asks for a cigarette and you find out that people are essentially being used as bait and pulled back into a dark alley. That I found just fascinating Mm -hmm. as a conceit and as an intro for the show. my favorite episode because I think it was so clever and unsettling and um, kind of challenging on a number of levels was uh, Do Not Open. Oh, the second one. Yeah. With, with the coffin. Yes. That Ooh. I love. I love that type of storytelling where he he had to be clever to not fall into the trap. Yeah. And the uh, the unknown nature of the thing and the people surrounding the thing. I was just like, okay, I do this every week or this level every week and I'm in. Um, I, I'm not really into alien stories so the third one uh across the street was it was good here's the difference that third one creeps me the fuck out that one's called across the street the premise basically being there's a woman and she can see into her neighbor's uh apartment across the street and so she just watches him because she's like i know it's creepy but i can just see him and he's weird and she basically watches something get into his apartment and then replace him. And, and I'm not even selling it right. Like, it's one of those things of like, it sounds creepy, but it's the telling and the like, mm-hmm. like I, ugh, of like, all of that creeps me out. And the thought of like being replaced and nobody notices except like this one person. And she probably only knows because she saw it happen. Oh, yeah. like that's so spooky i hate so like that's why anglerfish also creeps me out because it's kind of in that same zone a little bit but oh yeah and listening to that i was like this 
will stick with Rebecca <laughs> forever. For forever. <laughs> like that is like that's so scary. And I again, some of these get explained way later in like uh like plot stuff, like way later. Yeah. But there's also something about like and I think that's why Anglerfish sticks with me. It first episode, so it pulls you in literally (laughs) (laughs) uh but that never gets explained what that is you kind of like you kind of become aware of maybe what it's connected to but like you're like they don't ever tell you what the thing is that's in the alleyway that's yanking people in and what they do with the people Uh, yeah um i think that's the other thing why i like this show is it really tries to hit all the fears. Oh God, I can't believe I forgot. Like that. Sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll just finish my thought because I want to hear what your thought is. And for as far as I'm remembering, as I'm thinking back on all of it, there's no rape. Like there's no sexual. Okay. Okay. There is some sexual horror and squirm a little bit. There's a little bit of that, like, oh, God, <laughs> you know, like I've had a sexual encounter with this person and then, ah! but um, there's no like sexual horror in this mm-hmm. show. And they talk about it in one of their like, let's talk about how we make the show episodes. And they say, we didn't want to. We really wanted to make sure that we didn't have like rape be like the fear or yeah. whatever. There's no. um there's not like homophobia or like weird trans because there are characters in the show that are on the LGBTQ mm-hmm. um, community and they, uh, and they work pretty hard at trying to like represent people and connect. And um, I don't think there's, there's body horror, but I also think they work at not making it about like, it's a guy without a hand or it's a person it's like weird shit like squirm or mm-hmm. or like oh i don't know he can just bend bones and so he's just this massive dude that's like i'm just i've just made my body perfect but it's like bones and shit like so i'll say that at the top i think that's another reason why i feel like i can just throw myself into this because i'm mm-hmm. not like waiting for kind of like when we talked about with it i'm not waiting for the like the like weird kind of okay here's the rape thing here's the this thing here you know i'm not waiting for that to happen because i know it's not going to folks like for because we intended to just do three yeah and then i got so into it (laughs) we decided to do five and then i got so into that that i decided to add a sixth Mm-hmm. this morning so i said there hasn't been one that's been genuinely scary but i and i didn't intend to go through every episode because it's not really what we're here to do but oh well um <laughs> i think uh, i said my favorite was the uh, second one and i, I it, it has a tie as far as story construction goes, um, I love Paige Turner. Mm. Oh. about the, bu- the book? I yeah. love that one with my whole heart. 
Like, that is the reason I like Hannibal. That is the reason I like, uh, you know, Franken the novel Frankenstein. That's the reason I like Dracula, that sort of gothic mm. feel where things, something is not right the whole way through. And you're pretty sure you know what it is, but they're not going to tell you. Yes. <laughs> I absolutely, chef's kiss, love it. Mm-hmm. But the, o- the only one that I was like legitimately, legitimately unnerved, like I'm glad I listened to it in the daylight, was uh, thrown away. Oof, yeah. That one was kind of like, all right, fellas. Yeah, it's yeah. You're kind of hitting hitting on Justin's nightmare fuel here. Yeah, it that one's like the premise of that one just being these uh, trash men go and at this house they find these bags of very weird items that they keep finding that are getting thrown away at this house that get increasingly more unsettling the more that they find. And it, they all, the trash man that's telling the story is like, I didn't even really want to like pick up the last bag. I was a little freaked out by it. And like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And it's just, um, and the way that story ends, Mm-hmm. Again, is we're not we're gonna tell you. We're not gonna show you. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Um but like doll heads and teeth <laughs> are Justin's fucking nightmare feel <laughs> like all right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I know that I think that there are now a lot of other horror shows like this now, or at the very least shows that are like trying to go back to that radio drama style. But this mm-hmm. was the first one I've listened to. And I just I mean, it, it hits that itch for me of creepy stories and uh, God. It hits a lot of my different fears. Ugh. And I, I did, I did want to mention. I did want to play off something that you mentioned. Um, and we're we're an LGBTQ disability uh, and mental health kind of anchored podcast. And this is probably going to be one of those episodes that's more of us just finding that stuff in something we really like. Um, but I do appreciate exactly what you said. It isn't horror based around some um, cultural fear or social fear. It mm. plays the world pretty straight. Like it, it doesn't need to suck you in using a bait and switch. Mm-hmm which I really respect. So far, it just seems to tell you the story, not apologize for itself, 
and not use, like you said, trans body whore or, you know, anti-LGBTQ or, you know, an over-reliance on sexualized violence. Mm-hmm. It just, it's very straightforward, creepy, gothic style. We're just going to tell you the story, and I really respect that. Well, and because this is now kind of looking at, I think, a broader horror because I think you have a lot of people who make horror movies, books, what mm-hmm. have you. I think, and a lot of other people that don't but consume it would say, like, there are, that there are like certain things that are inherently going to scare humans or things that are just scary. And so they go back to them, which is like at torture porn. Uh, somebody that looks different than you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why you have these tropes and the reliance on it, right? That there's kind of a reliance on, oh, I know what'll scare you. Uh, This, this person, this person is going to assault you or this person is going to, this person just looks different than an able-bodied person. And so that freaks you out. Like, Mm -hmm whatever or like that kind of thing uh and so that is a quote-unquote i think easy way to freak out a main populace who doesn't who's not uh realizing that that's bad and like just perpetuating stereotypes and differentness and isolating other people i mean and speaking as someone with a disability I have to pick and choose which areas of the horror community and the suspense community I engage with Mm. because there is such a foundational history of the horror um, misunderstood monster being framed around disability uh, going all the way back to the 20s and 30s with a movie called um, Freak Show. Oh, yeah. Which is, I mean, that's what it is. Is people thinking that um, people who were quote-unquote by the parliaments of that day deformed are monstrous Mm -hmm. and uh, it was made to be basically a piece of eugenics era or good genes era propaganda Mm -hmm. and and although you know if you get like the more supernatural you get like Freddy and Jason and Michael Myers and all that stuff, the the less direct that becomes, but that is so foundational to the the genre mm-hmm. of either horror or suspense that it 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 has a long echo. So um I'm really 
wary of what areas of like I I will not I absolutely refuse to do anything even approaching torture porn mm-hmm. um, type or like uh, hostile or anything like yeah. that. Well, I frankly I just find that grotesque, mm-hmm. um, and to, to me there's a difference between being grotesque and being legitimately frightening. Right. Um, Anthony Hopkins is not frightening when he is killing people. He he is frightening when he is smiling at people. Yeah. And you know what he's just done or what he is going to do. My favorite scene in that film is the three minutes preceding the killing of the prison guards because mm-hmm. he is so friendly and so mannerly and so like absolutely insane yeah and that is much more frightening than torture porn or freak show type culture that still exists in a lot of lower budget horror but yeah soapbox over with but uh yeah yeah but that's why i think i like this so much i mean even when i watched halloween last night there was in my house like okay there is the conceit (laughs) of like okay all the women that have sex in this movie are gonna die like or pursue sex they're gonna die and they're gonna die in like without a shirt on all three of them die without shirts on. That's not fair. One of them has a shirt on, but it's unbuttoned. So like, and so there's like this weird, like, okay, all right, I get it. Like, I know that this movie as a classic still has that in it. And I kind of have to just be like, all right, I'm going to just let that go, I guess. <laughs> you know, because you cut like, like as soon as it happened at the beginning, I was like, got it reminder of what era i'm in (laughs) um but i think that's the other reason why i like magnus archives so much is like the horror is taps beyond gender sexuality ability it taps into just the human nature that's not connected Mm -hmm. to race gender any of it the horror of there's something in that alleyway that's not right. There's yeah. there's something there that wants me to go over there, but there's something inside of me that's saying, don't fucking go over there. There's mm-hmm. like, there's something in this coffin that wants me to open it. And I'm, and I'm being compelled to try and open it. And I have to figure out a way to not open it when I'm asleep. <laughs> like, how do I get around this or all of it? Like none of it's really like, it's not that they ignore that. Like one, uh, if it's a woman telling the story, she might mention something like, you know, I didn't want to be at a weird guy's apartment, but he said he was gay. So I felt a little bit more comfortable. Like 
there's some conceit there, but that's not where the actual horror is. The horror is I saw something sneak into his apartment through its window and now he doesn't look the same, but nobody else notices that he doesn't look the same. Um, yeah. And so I think that like, if you can write horror that is ultimately just connected to that and not connected to as a, the kind of external stuff about humanness. And it's kind of down to like, this is creepy as shit. And this could happen. I think the, here's the other thing. I'm going to do one more and then I'm going to ask you, I'm going to finish my thing. I'm going to ask you more questions. I'm sorry. I, I, I know I have so many have things so I want to say off of what you said, <laughs> but go right ahead. Okay. Okay. The last is this show very much is this could happen to anybody you are not special because it's happening to you. Like all of the stories are very much people like, uh, I kind of stumbled into this or this just happened because I picked up this book or because I started talking to this guy at school or because I went down this particular street. You're not, um, it, it, really loses a sense of like oh this could like happen to anybody this is not because of my lineage or who what i look like or anything like that Mm -hmm. i think as someone who has attempted to write fiction and written and published nonfiction, so i think i can at this point legitimately call myself a writer um i find restraint to be so much more interesting mm. than going there. And what I mean by that, I'll give a perfect example. The second story, the, the don't, op- don't open this with about the coffin. Yeah. And again, spoiler alert <laughs> uh, for a podcast that's been out now. Since 2016. <laughs> six years. Uh, good luck. Um, when you're telling that story, it is so easy for the end of the story to be him opening the box and encountering whatever is inside it and surviving after a climactic struggle or, you know, or getting consumed or, or what have you. It is so much harder to have him go through everything that he went through, not to put the key in the lock, mm-hmm. almost put the key in the lock, and then they knock on the door, and I love it so much. I cannot tell you the literal chef kiss motion I did when he goes into his kitchen and just stays there mm-hmm. for the last two minutes of the story. And he's like, I didn't know who was screaming. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't want to know. I watched them leave and I was done and I moved like two weeks later. Yeah. I absolutely because that is so clever. Mm-hmm. Because it let me backfill the mm-hmm. re- the rest of the story, and it is so much harder to write with restraint than it is to go for the 
low-hanging fruit that a story like that would call for. And I just, I, I respect the hell out of that. They're very good at that. And that's when it goes back to, like, what scares me the most are the things <laughs> that they don't show, are the things that you don't know. Because not in every case, but a lot of times, as soon as you, quote unquote, see the monster or you see the thing, it becomes less frightening. Not every time. Mm-hmm. I've seen the thing. It's creepy as fuck. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but like in that case, you're right. I think if he had gone and he had opened it up, encountered whatever, and either died or survived, it wouldn't have the same appeal as him standing there in this kitchen waiting for them to get the box away. And he's just like, somebody's screaming in there, but I've dealt with this thing for a year, so I'm not even going to go look. <laughs> like, we never know, and he doesn't know, so we get no indication from the narrator <laughs> what the fuck is going on in that other room. We just <laughs> know something bad is happening. Um, and then three guys came in and two leave, and you're like, what the fuck <laughs> you know yeah because your brain the human brain will just as you said backfill your brain goes crazy you're like (laughs) what's in the box (laughs) what's in there what did they do with that guy what what happened why did they need him and also the mystery of why did they need him to watch this box for a year was the point that he was eventually just gonna open it and because he didn't like like there's all that mystery around of the why that we never get. And there was, uh, there was a delightfully like mustachioed melodramatic villain moment oh, yeah. when, when he looked, when they opened the door and he's standing there and the John goes, Oh, <laughs> it's you. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh-huh. And again, it was so easy to spin that moment out. But they don't. They just do it and they walk away. And I was like, that, yes, right there. So I don't know anything about, I have, I've, I've listened to some Lovecraft stuff, which Lovecraft He's a he's a nightmare of a person and he wrote nightmare literature. So, you know, he really tapped into his inner horrible person to create these things. But uh, and so many people have tried to emulate his work. Right. Like we even use that for we will say like love, Lovecraftian horror, Lovecraftian uh, horror movies or books or monsters. Yeah. Right. Like for these unexplainable monstrosities and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so many people have tried to do it, like in film. And that's the problem. I'll say that that's the problem with like trying to put Lovecraft, well, Eldritch, super scary, weird stuff into like movies or video games. Because as soon as you can actually see the thing, 
as soon as you can actually kind of feel like, okay, I know what this thing is. I know what, when I open the box, there's a, I don't know, a mole man <laughs> or whatever, like that eats you. Yeah. Like as yeah. soon as you're able to actually see it, the horror of it lessens because now you're yeah. like, oh, I know what this thing is now. And I can formulate a plan about how to survive it. Yeah. Versus uh, I don't know what's in the box. So I don't know what's in it. I don't know what I'm going to fight. Am I able to fight? Is it a black hole? Is it a mole man? <laughs> is it like, like, yeah. So we're getting, we're getting slightly long in the tooth, but I, I, I do want to know um, what other places you would have for us to go. So I oh. think we've got a bit more time. Okay. I'll ask you this, Justin. <laughs> if you turned in an account to Jonathan Sims to read, what would you, like you, Justin, the writer, you, Justin, the somebody who's thought about this, what would you sort of want that fear for your story to be? You don't have to give the whole thing, but like kind of what's the... I actually have, I have the thing and it's real short. Okay. So when I was nine or 10, I was at summer camp and I can't swim really well unaided to this day. I love the water. I love being in the water. It does great things for my CP, but I can't really swim efficiently without arm wings to this day mm-hmm. um and the pool at the summer camp it was a summer camp both with disabilities so it was built that it was gonna be really hard for a person like me to hurt themselves yeah but i was swimming in the shallower end and i went out to mid level and me and this girl were playing and doing, you know, what kids do. And I said, do you want to play? Essentially, I don't remember what exactly I said. And I turned to swim where I was going. Mm-hmm. And she thought playing meant wrestling. Uh-oh. So she jumped on my back. <gasps> And I could not, like, I couldn't get air. I couldn't get breath. I couldn't, like, get her off me. And I panicked. And were it not for me being right by a counselor's swim trunks, eventually after, like, feebly paddling around, she's got me literally underwater. And she wasn't doing it on purpose. I, I pulled on a um, a counselor's swim trunks and he pulled me up I would have drowned uh, and it's been 31 years mm-hmm. and I I can remember every moment of that four minute encounter oh my god and if so if I have a deep-seated fear, mm-hmm. play play with that 
but don't explain why I go under and why I don't ground. Right. I you probably didn't weren't explaining something quite so on the nose, but I think what I like what you just said at the end is here's my story. Now take out the girl and take out the the counselor. Yeah. But everything else kind of stays the same. Fear of drowning, huge. Like, especially if you're like a kid in a pool, like yeah. kids, like, <laughs> oh yeah. That would that would be really spooky. So I will and we'll kind of um leave it here ish, but I will throw the same question at you. Um, how about you? I mean, I definitely, so I think I have two big human fears, I'll say. I won't go into, I won't go into my traumatic ones, <laughs> which are not as much fun to talk about, but like home invasion, that scares me a lot. Like the thought of that, that hasn't happened to me. But like the thought of like somebody of me like turning to look out a window and somebody's just there. <laughs> I don't like that shit. That shit's creep. Like, and so if yeah. Amber like leaves the windows open, I'm like, ah, uh, <laughs> I'm going around closing all the blinds all the time because I'm like, anybody could just come up and look, especially being in like a small town when there's a feeling of, oh, you just leave your windows open at night or you can. Nope. And I'm like, well, you can, <laughs> but not me. I'm also very scared of things that are, that are, <laughs> as I say, too big. <laughs> like mostly these are under, these are like sea creatures, like whales, uh, giant squid, <laughs> all those things. I don't like it. Like that gets deep. I think there's a name for that phobia that, I mean, that, I don't like it but I think like so for me I think my story would be like it would tap into that feeling of like trying to go around a house your house at night and seeing like an eye in the window that's like huge that's like not a human eye looking at you and you close the blinds and stuff but you know that it's still there and you just kind of have to wait it out like <laughs> yeah it's so funny when you said what you said to begin with i was like nope because that's a good way for stone phillips or lester holt to open a dateline episode with this was a town where you could leave your windows open <laughs> Ugh, yeah i don't need any dateline st- <laughs> starring me no thank you <laughs> you and the bottom of you and the bottom of a quarry. <laughs> the town where you could leave your windows open, except for this night. <laughs> to wrap us up, I think I think that is if you're willing to work at horror and writing horror, you should strive to tap into those kind of deep human stuff that doesn't inherently have to do with 
a specific kind of thing, something that'll scare just about anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't know, Rebecca, have you read the story I picked out for the, the episode yet. we're doing next week? I haven't um, yet. That is, that is this kind of thing. And without giving away the ball game, there will be details and they will come back at the end of the story and you'll go, holy, <laughs> that, that, this kind of, you know, tell you just enough to keep you walking, but not enough to like, get you to the end of the line before you absolutely need to be there. And yeah, um, it's another example of just making one or two choices to me um, take something from being really like frightening for three seconds to like spooky for mm. two weeks. Yeah. Ooh. So look look forward to that, folks. <laughs> I'm looking forward to creeping myself out. All right. We have <sighs> reached the end of our particular episode on the Magnus Archives. I really hope y'all will listen to it. I look forward to you listening to it, Justin. Because uh, I'd like to talk to you more about it as you get further into it with some more creepy stories. Um, yeah. Uh, you can find us if you haven't already already found us in a dark alleyway uh, asking for uh, your hand, a cigarette, and other things, but not showing uh, you our true face. <laughs> uh, you can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find podcasts uh, besides dark alleyways where we don't show you our face. <laughs> Anything else, Justin? <laughs> Uh, last week it was the uh, for the first two weeks it was the sewers <laughs> and this week is the dark alley I mean I respect your commitment to the bit is what uh, I'm saying if I have nothing else in me I do have commitment to the bit that's when I die my commitment to the bit will remain so <laughs> there uh, we really hope that this series is a bit of a a, a break from what's been some heavier stuff lately uh but still giving you food for thought and thought-provoking questions we've got i think one more episode to come in this series Mm -hmm. Uh, but there is some some great stuff to follow up with towards the end of the year i'm looking forward to maybe having some some new guests on uh having follow up and continuing conversations with some old guests mm-hmm. um, so yeah we're just gonna um, have a great holiday or end of the year 2021 so look forward to that rate us review us let us know what you're thinking as you listen to um, the show hopefully we're getting better every week um, and yeah As we always say, go put some good into the world and uh, be kind to one another, folks. Then, bye. Bye.